Valley of Famine contains mature content and adult language. Check the show notes for specific content warnings. Hello, listeners. Did you know that the Rogue Valley Role Players podcast is an affiliate of BattleBards? BattleBards is an online repository of music, sound effects, and all sorts of other audio goodies that you can use in your own games and shows. Check out their website at BattleBards.com, and don't forget to use our promo code RVRPODCAST when you sign up for a Prime membership. Hello and welcome listeners to the Rogue Valley Role Players. My name is Ben. I'm here with Rosemary, Austin, Ed, and Nick, and we're ready to record another session of Valley of Famine. Uh, once again, my name is Ben. I am the Marshal tonight, running the shindig, doing the things, hurting the cats, all that good stuff. My name is Rosemary, and I play Deputy Rachel Jane Kennedy. She's a hexinger. This is Austin, playing Herod Graves, who has learned not to kick bulls. This is Ed, and when I have a bad week at work, I take out my aggression by killing things as Daisy Graves, weird scientist. Hello, my name is Nick. I play Haru Matsuhara, the samurai who has big plans for Rachel Kennedy. Uh-oh. Dun, dun. Giggity, giggity. Dun. Too bad you're all gonna die. What? Can I say that loud? Yeah, you did. Oops. Hey, hey, plans can fail. <laughs> when last we left off, the uh, the winter season came a lot earlier than was expected to and basically destroyed the crop that everyone was looking forward to harvesting. Uh, so the valley is once again facing a uh, food shortage. Not only that, but the circus came back to town, this time the winter court, which is... Uh, headed by Lady Rab, who is none other than Famine herself. One of the four horsemen, one of the Reckoners. Uh, and the heroes got called out in front of everyone in the circus and had to fight a bunch of demonic bulls, Los Diablos, allegedly sent by Moloch to uh, take you all down a couple pegs. Um, and... Uh, Generally seems like that plan failed. Nearly 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 succeeded, but uh you all managed to prevail and uh now we pick up um Daisy. We are going to pick up with you actually. Uh so you find yourself wandering a a manor or mansion or something all black marble and gold inlay. You 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 walk down these these long twisting corridors and you take a turn you never find any doors it's just you know you come to the end of the corridor and there's a t-section you turn left you turn right and you find yourself walking down another uh nondescript corridor are these human-sized corridors uh yes as far as you know you seem to fit okay well or are they just like bigger oh uh no they're they're they seem like human size. It's not like you're you're walking in a, a corridor built for giants or something. I'm not walking through the city of Talos. No, this is okay. not. <laughs> there's nothing about this that makes you get a a Talos vibe. So yeah, you're you're walking down these corridors, and all the while you hear a sound. At first, it starts as as the kind of kind of like the lub dub lub dub of a heartbeat very loud heartbeat uh but as you wander these corridors you realize it's it's not a heartbeat it's it's and it's not so much a lub dub as it is a tick tock tick tock and there's you hear one clock ticking away tick tock tick tock and then another and then another and another and it's a cacophony of clocks ticking uh and then you hear a voice calling your name uh a thickly accented voice miss gilmore and then you wake up at the helm of the Thalos Zephyr. What kind of accent was it? Kind of like a rich Spanish accent. Not like Macario's? It definitely was not Macario. Yeah. Okay. You, you would recognize Macario's oh, yeah. voice. 
Like a like a Cordoba. Mm. Okay. Uh, but you wake up at the helm of the Thalos Zephyr. Uh, the posse is all on board. Uh, after your encounter with Famine, you decided you needed to get to Crater Lake, uh, to Giwas uh, Stat. And the fastest mode of transportation seemed to be by airship. And uh, yeah, you, you kind of start awake and you realize that uh, Rachel is kind of standing over you, shaking your shoulder and, and calling your name. What? Huh? Daisy, Daisy, are you right? Yeah. You were muttering something in your sleep. Well, I I was in a like just wandering through some maze. I'm kind of lost. Wasn't the Lumerians, was it? Well, I thought so at first, but then I realized it was human-sized, even though the architecture was kind of similar. But yeah, but I think it had something to do with uh, our old friend the Cordobas and the TikToking. Remember the TikTok? I'm sure Rachel does. No, I don't don't think Daisy talked to anyone about that. I don't think I did either. No. (laughs) So this is perfect. Oh, yeah. Well, before we fought my father, I was having these dreams of the TikTok man. The what? The clockwork man, which turned out to be my dad. So you were having dreams of your dad? And now I'm having these dreams again. Oh. Huh. Well, I'm no expert in dreams, but that sounds a little bit ominous, considering what happened the last time we ran into your father. Mm-hmm. These dreams are back. The, the dying crops are back. <sighs> it's like almost nothing has changed. But everything. Dun, dun, dun. As you, as you say that, uh, uh, Crater Lake uh, was already into view, but you're, you're coming up over the crater now, and you can see Wizard Island out in the middle, sort of-ish. It's not like dead in the middle, but close enough. Um, and uh, you, you see the, the old uh, cinder of uh, what was, what's left of Mount Mazama, uh, and you see the that large tree growing from the top of it. What is it? Can we see details of the tree, or is it still too far to like make out? What kind of details are you looking for? Just like if is the tree dying, or does it look healthy? No, the tree does not seem dead. That's good. Rachel is staring at that tree very intently, and then when she sees it looks okay, she kind of lets out this relief sigh. Yeah, you you bring the uh, the airship in close enough to to land on like a, a or yeah to to land on the island. Uh, you disembark and and make the climb up the cinder uh, to Macario's tree. Um, and yeah, there you all are, uh, Herod. You're probably a little confused as to why you're you're all here. Um, but, uh, yes, you stand in front of the tree, uh, and it's quiet. There's, a just a, a gentle breeze, uh, blowing. Um, the, uh, the island is still green, despite, uh, the cold and the snow that's everywhere else. So, you told me your friend entered the tree? Could you describe that again? He kind of became one with the tree. I can't talk about it. Haru is actually going to get kind of quiet and go over near the tree and kind of kneel down and do a prayer for Macario. Just like, you know, like, hey, what's going on? Do you like it's a meditative kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. like just what's going on? If you can give us an answer. But he's all quiet about it. Mm hmm. But yeah, he became one with the tree. It's the reason why I wear this colorful scarf. He gave it to me before he went in. And he, uh, he kind of sacrificed himself, it seems, for all of us. Except everything seems to be coming back. Respecting the somber atmosphere, Herod bites back a, a, a crude comment about how ugly that scarf is. <laughs> <laughs> Party scarf. Just like my lime greenhouse you painted. 
I don't understand if the tree is here and it's healthy. Where are these Wendigo coming from? How is the tree connected to the Wendigo? I don't understand. A voice that only Herod hears calls out from behind you and says, tree is more like symbolism. It represents uh, the spirit that thrives within this valley. And you turn around and you see Phil Custard. Can any of you see that? He says, pointing. See what? What do you want, Phil? Well, I did promise you some answers if you came to my resting place. Was your friend named Phil? Rachel's giving you a really concerned look. No. I apologize for the deceptions. There are rules that must be followed. Uh, And the Phil Custard you've been accustomed to seeing uh, fades away. And in his place, would you kindly describe Macario? The man that Herod sees is young, of Mexico, with a bright smile and colorful clothing and sharp eyes which look off into eternity. Let me ask another question. Is your friend a Mexican smiling man? Yeah, Macario. I see him before me, I I think. Is that your name, spirit? Macario? I'm looking at the tree. Can we see him? No. Yes, that is me. I am glad that you are all here. There is still some work to be done, I'm sorry to say. Who? I, you cannot be talking to who I think you're talking to. Uh, well, uh, per- perhaps it's merely an illusion. I'm not sure. Uh, what should I ask? Macario, d- does, does he remember the pie? Uh, Herod wrinkles his nose and says, Macario, do you remember the pie? Oh, yes, I... (laughs) This is going to be really hard. (laughs) This is great. I've been waiting all all campaign long for this moment. Oh, yes, we ran... We did a little birthday party. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Lazarus Black helped me. The the horrible, horrible demonic spirit who still lives within my friend. Now, Now, listen here. I've gotten better. Thank you very much. Can any of us hear that? Macario can. And probably Haru hears Lazarus' side of the conversation. Oh, yes. Uh, you have uh, improved greatly. Uh, perhaps uh, one day uh, you will no longer be a demon. Instead, uh, be perhaps in purgatory or uh, some other sort of uh, middle zone. Not quite evil, not quite good. Nah. If you work at it. Nah, I, I was pretty bad. I'm, I'm kind of more like a discount demon right now. I'm, I'm just bad at being anything bad at being good, bad at being evil. Well, I don't want to speak for the other spirits who decide such things, but uh, I think, you know, if you save, like, you know, twice as many babies as you killed, maybe things will eventually even out. Hmm. Meanwhile, Herod is very confused because now he's witnessing a very one-sided conversation, and you're hearing a very one-sided conversation. What is happening? (laughs) I think I am maybe getting a little bit off track. Here is what you need to know. (laughs) Alright, listeners, I'm going to try my best Macario accent, and I perfectly apologize. Um, What do you need to know? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put it on me! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first of all, uh, tell Haru that he is far too sad lately. He must practice a silly walk. I can tell that he is out of practice because of the slump in his shoulders. Tell him, tell him. Uh, Mr. Matsuhara, I'm told you should practice your silly walk. You look too depressed. He is correct. I, I have been without my silly walk. I have more reason to be silly in future, I think. You can't possibly be talking to the real Macario. 
Can you? Oh, and uh, let uh, Daisy know that I'm sorry I missed her wedding, but, uh, you know, uh, it looked like a real blast. <laughs> uh, he's congratulating you, Daisy, on your wedding. Oh, well, tell, tell him thanks. Wish you could have been there. Thanks. She wishes you could have been there. I, I, can, I can hear them. You don't have to repeat what they say. Have no fear. I see. Uh, this has been an interesting game of uh, telegraph, but uh, what did you wish to tell us? He doesn't have anything to say to me. That, that's not Austin. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> it's fine. It's my fault that he got into the situation in the first place. I understand if he doesn't want to speak with me. He says passive aggressively. <laughs> if you would be so kind as to tell the deputy... To, to not blame herself. I made my decision. I was brought here by other spirits. And what has happened has happened. It is not her fault. Uh, he says it was his decision, and it isn't your fault. Yes. Uh, I know your, your friends are... My friends are concerned that the beasts have returned. And that perhaps my sacrifice and... Their sacrifices have all been for naught. If, if you could tell them that is not true, that uh, I am but one spirit now protecting this valley where once there were two, two great spirits of mountains, I am very brand new to this, this whole spirit world thing. Oh, I, I see. Uh, he's saying that uh, the sacrifice he made and that you made, he kind of looks at all of you kind of confused, has protected the valley partly, but two spirits disappeared and he is only one of them. Does that make any sense to you? Well, what about the table rocks? They are lazy. He says the rocks are lazy. There's something I don't understand, uh, spirit. Why did you come to me? I have no ties to you. Why not to one of your friends? <laughs> I was also wondering that. Is that is a solid question. Because it is difficult to reach out to those who are intimate with you from across the the hunting grounds to the the mortal world it takes a lot of energy and there are rules that have to be followed you i could speak to i can appear to because i did not know you in life he says that there are rules that he can only appear to people he did not know in life Make it a quote roll to see if this is true. I guess it is. You have no idea. You don't know the rules of the hunting grounds. Well. <laughs> is this true, Lazarus? What? That the dead can only appear to those they don't know? Or spirits? or That depends. Is um, probably the best answer I can give you. Um, that's kind of really super above my pay grade. Also, everyone I knew and loved in life is already dead, so I, I, I couldn't really say. I guess that does make you my close, uh, make me your closest friend. Oh, God help us all. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I'm still a little bitter about you killing me. Um, I'm probably always going to be bitter about that, but, you know, I don't have any other friends. You're the only person I get to speak to. Let's, let me teach you old Japanese lesson. Oh, God. I already know all your old Japanese lessons. I know everything you know. We always forgive our enemy. Uh, sure. I'll keep that in mind. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> you should know the Wendigo returned because your our mutual nemesis... The Child Eater 
has enlisted the aid of their of the Wendigo's progenitor, the Wechuge. He focuses his attention his attention and that of his children here at Moloch's bidding. He mentions the name of some sort of uh, spirit, demon, Wachuge. Does this mean anything to any of you? Now you could roll some McCall rolls. Is this, this is the name of the spirit we've heard before? No. Okay. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna roll at an, at an untrained. Sure. Just, okay. I got a three, so no. You got a five, you said, five. Daisy? Yep. So, Daisy, you the, the name kind of rings a bell. You've heard of it, but kind of your, your information is inconsistent. Uh, it's a kind of evil spirit like the Wendigo. Um, it's also like a, a corrupted form of one of the great animals from Algonquin mythology. Uh, it's um, something that happens to people when they get too strong. So they're like super Wendigos. Maybe. Well, I've heard of these kind of... It's, like it's like a super Wendigo. Like, like when people or Wendigo get too strong, they like level up into this thing or something. <laughs> <laughs> what are you blabbering about, Daisy? <laughs> It is. It is not multiple kinds of spirits. It is. It is one. It is the Waichuke. It was here first and alone. It preyed upon humans, and then it tried to make more of itself so that it would have company. And it went horribly wrong. And that is where the Wendigo come from. Is all I can tell you. Uh, he says it's the progenitor, the father of all Wendigos. Ah, oh, hell. So long as uh, the the devourer of children and the Wechuge have their attention on this valley, no one will ever be safe. And this devourer of children, is that Moloch? Yes. Should have known it was Moloch involved somehow. So, if I'm understanding, there must be a second spirit to fully protect the valley, who takes on that mantle. I don't know. Perhaps, but in, it, it's like, you know, slapping a, 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 a bandage against a flood. You can stem the tide, but only for so long. Hmm. He's not sure. I I do not have many answers for you, for all of you, but I can give you something to help. Herod. What are you offering? And is there a catch? There is no... Well, there is always a catch. I give this gift under the, the premise that you will stay. You will fight against the evils to come. Against the Wechuge and Molek. My life has not had much meaning until now. I found family here. I'll be staying. Good. And uh, Macario steps forward and uh, uh, kind of with a flourish holds out a uh, a yellow flower to you. Uh, he reaches forward and I think as he reaches the flower seems to grow a little bit more distant and he has to really reach out to touch it. And he, he grabs it. You, you grab it and uh, you feel a warmth flood through your veins. You feel uh, a sense of... of hope, and you are now immune to fear, so long as you have this flower. Where does it go? Does it just vanish? No, he, like, uh, as far as everyone else can see, like, uh, you see Harad uh, kind of reach out, and then reach, <laughs> uh, and then suddenly he has this yellow flower in his hands. Do we recognize the flower? Yes, you do. 
He kind of holds out his hand, palm up, and shows everyone. And uh, when you when you turn back to look at Macario, he's gone. And it's just the four of you standing on Wizard Island. He's vanished. And then we see the flower. I was like, ooh, in recognition. I think Rachel's like choking back tears. Like this happy, like kind of emotional tears. Mm-hmm. Herod kind of carefully wads his fist and then stuffs it into one of the pockets of his suit. Mm-hmm. Harge kind of looks up at the tree. I will work on my silly walk. So after a long emotional moment, you uh, you all make your way back to the airship. You board it. And you fly back to Jacksonville. I mean, so what do we make of all that? Well, it seems we have two missions, if you will. One, find find or bring back this other spirit somehow. And two, find and fight this Michuke. I have something in my gut is telling me. The Wichuge is, one, first of all, very aware of us. Secondly, has been keeping its eyes on us. Thirdly, would have power over the Rogue Valley. Fourth, you said you killed your ex-husband, yes? I thought I did. And we know that death is not permanent. Yes. Oh, shit. Is it possible, like Lazarus to me, this Wichuge may have chosen Flint? Rachel's just staring into the middle distance with, like, a look of horror on her face, and then she starts slowly nodding as she's mulling over this thought, and then she goes, oh, my God. And... My last thought for this theory that I'm working on. We've been running out of food. We've been running out of most provisions. Yet Flint is maintaining deliveries. He's maintaining... You're right. He is. How do you get Wendigos? You feed people flesh. You starve them first. Make them go mad with hunger. We've seen it once before. The people go hungry. Grow hungry and hungry until they have no choice but either survive or perish. And they go crawling over to Flint's place. I feel we wouldn't ignored him long enough. It's time to examine the true depths of his business. We just riding up to the front door and barging in? No, I don't want him to run. There might be also issues with legal precedence. We have nothing to go on other than the supernatural. Then we'd have to go to a judge. I hope this isn't the first time someone has said this to you, Haru, but very little of anything this group does is legal. Rachel looks very affronted at that. <laughs> uh, I'm the mayor's wife. I take offense to this. <laughs> I, I write the laws. <laughs> I will make it legal. Yeah. <laughs> My brother is a kleptomaniac. You and I both know this. He is a ghost rock mine owner. And layer. <laughs> I think Rachel's so distracted thinking about the horrifying possibility that Paul might be uh, possessed by a demon that she misses the fact that Herod just outdid like Jonathan's kleptomaniac tendencies and misses that whole connection. <laughs> ben just ate that up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you you discussed this. Uh, you go over this plan as you're getting closer and closer to Jacksonville 
you unfortunately are not going to get the chance to go barging right up to Paul's business because a storm has blown in a blizzard. Uh, and as you're you're flying in, you can see um, you can see movement all across the landscape around the valley. You realize that the Wendigo have indeed returned and are attacking the valley this very instant. So, here's how this is going to go. We're going to do a variation on the mass battle rules. So, I'm going to I'm going to describe we're going to do this in three three turns, which is going to represent um, basically like each turn is going to represent a month of battle. A whole month? Uh-huh. Whoa. As you just you you, the, you find the valley besieged, all the while the winter court remains in Medford, and you can't help but feel famine's watchful eye on all of you as you come and go for this first battle. So here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe a scenario, and you all will get a chance to react to that, and then we'll make a roll. This is not going to be in like standard combat round, so feel free to get descriptive. You're going to be rolling like a specific skill, and that should be relevant to uh, what you're describing and doing. But you're basically you're describing your part in a larger ongoing conflict. So it's not like you've got six seconds of action. Kind of off topic, but my my Hellsteed's name is Aku. Japanese for evil. I actually kind of want to get into what does that um, what does that ceremony look like? What does the summoning of this horse look like? I think that Haru, with his Japanese roots, would do a a mix of Shinto and Tao. Uh, not sure if it's Taoism or Taoism. I can't remember. Taoism. Taoism. Uh, prayers, which he's actually summoning in his mind summoning a spirit horse even though it's technically from else they describe it hell in the book right so to him it's more akin to like an oni spirit mm-hmm. um, so he's he's like I need a strong horse something that can survive this conflict not just your regular animal not just your not just a a celestial horse I need something that to fight fire, I need fire. It's a lot of burning incense, and like, and, and in this instance, because Japanese traditions are weird, he'd be offering meat. Perfect. So, is this taking place outside? I'm presuming. Yeah, outside, away from people. Probably an empty, like an old empty. Well, you're horse. at your ranch. Yeah, an old empty, empty corral, essentially. Okay. You you you're out in the snow and the cold. You've got this this chunk of raw, bloody meat that's uh, come from somewhere. Um, you used to have a horse. Uh, oh my god! No, I don't think you killed your your, your new regular horse. So you're you're burning this incense. Uh, you lit candles. Was that part of it? The candles can be part of it. Too. Okay, all right. Um, and you've got this bell involved too. Pardon me. You've got this chunk of raw, bloody meat uh, that you've placed out in front of you. It's There's snow, it's cold, but you're kind of immune to it. You're ignoring it because you absorbed the essence of the Wendigo uh, last winter. And uh, you're calling for this steed. For a moment, the wind dies down around you. And you get the, the stench of brimstone uh, and something shadowy moves out of the darkness towards you. Uh, It is formless, wisping uh, low over the snow as it cautiously approaches you. And the closer it gets, uh, the more substantial it starts to become. Uh, Wispy shadows condensing into this sort of uh, musculature. Huge clawed hands start to prowl through the snow. A, a, an equine-esque head appears, uh, filled with fangs, uh, completely there's no eyes, it's, it appears to be completely blind, but it unerringly makes its way towards this this uh, bloody gobbet of meat you've set before yourself and it quickly snatches it up and, and devours the meat uh, and then explodes in flames 
kind of forces you to throw a hand up and turn your your gaze away. It's too bright even for your your dead eyes. Uh, and when you look back, you see this this huge, uh, well, uh, not huge, but large, menacing-looking horse, uh, coal black hide. Uh, for a moment, its eyes flash red, and then uh, it, it fades away, and it, it otherwise looks like an ordinary horse. Something Haru would have also done for after the summoning. I mean, mechanically, no effect, but part of it would be uh, putting on its, like, whatever reins and stuff like that, would be attaching a small strip of paper. It's called a scroll. It's a protection to make sure that this thing doesn't lash out unintentionally. Okay. Yeah. Like a... A binding of yeah. sorts? Yes, of sorts. Okay. So now... Now let's get back to the Winter War. Uh, let's see. The scene. Um, we see uh, a, a road uh, winding its way through the forest. Um, it's uh, stormy and foggy. Uh, this this cold, freezing fog has has rolled in, coating the valley, making it difficult to see more than a few feet ahead of yourselves. Uh, we see a uh, a wagon hurriedly uh, making its way down this road. Horses panically plowing through the snow, um, and in the distance behind it, we see all too familiar shapes loping after it. Huge, antlered. There's a there's a, a man uh, at the reins of this wagon, just uh, panically flicking the reins, trying to get the horses to go just a little faster. Uh, and then we see the the wagon, uh, one of the wheels uh, hits a rock buried in the snow and shatters, and the wagon goes over, uh, tangling the horses. Uh, we see people scrambling uh, from the wagon in a panic, trying desperately to get away from the monsters that are even now circling in, closing in on them. We see the lead Wendigo come closer. Uh, it leaps onto the wagon and is stretching its uh, massive clawed hand out to grab at someone who's st- trapped inside. And then... Rachel, what happens? I think a shot rings out as a bullet comes out of the fog and strikes the Wendigo kind of hand, I guess. Okay. And um, stops it from grabbing at whoever's going to grab. Shot rings out. We see the uh, the the muzzle flash uh, in the fog. Uh, the the bullet strikes the Wendigo's hand, uh, knocking it aside, and its skulled head, its skulled elk head, looks up eyes glowing red uh, as it peers into the mist and we see Rachel runes aglow all about her uh, especially along her guns stride out of the mist so Rachel yeah strides forward and um, she's got both of her guns out and I think she just takes she's taking like shot after shot at this thing trying to get it to get it off of this wagon I'm picturing, you know, like, bullets kind of hitting its shoulders, like, jerking it backwards. Um, she's definitely using redemption, so there's magic. You know, she's probably using Loaded for Wolves the most, but every now and then maybe, like, a burst of fire erupts from her gun muzzle or, like, a crackle of electricity. We see this Wendigo die under a withering hail of rune-etched bullets and hexes. Uh, go ahead and roll your shooting. Nice. And we'll see how well you do this this round. That's a 12. Uh, so you emerge unharmed from this battle uh, as you, you begin firing, not just at that one Wendigo, but all the others as they come uh, charging out of the mist to, to devour the helpless people that you are now rescuing. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the important part there is you don't take any wounds. Yeah. Uh, but as we see Rachel uh, firing away at these Wendigo that are rushing out of the mist, uh, what do we see with Herod? He is directing a defense at City Hall. Uh, so Jonathan has uh, called together many of the uh, business people, tradesmen in town, and has kind of locked them up in his mayoral building. Uh, and so uh, Herod is kind of 
directing uh, them to barricade the windows, making sure that anyone who can fire a gun has one, lines of sight are clear, and uh, just generally making it as uh, tight and secure as he can. Okay. Go ahead and roll your battle. Uh, A simple. You're going to take a level of fatigue. Uh, This represents the strain of trying to organize uh, all these different people uh, and, and, you know, late night spent planning uh, defenses and stuff like that. Coming back to this specific battle, though, we we leave uh, Herod at City Hall planning this out. Uh, what is Daisy Graves doing in this combat? All right, probably the first thing Daisy wants to do is throw up a protection spell on the people fleeing the wagon. Like, get them... These things are coming at them, and, like, just they're too spread out for her, even with, you know, the railgun and all that special things. So she wants to get the protection of the people. So if they get attacked, that they don't get run down. Okay. And then, you know, fire off some, some uh, you know... So uh, from behind... Spikes. From behind Rachel, as she's gunning down these Wendigo, we see uh, Daisy step up, reach out a gloved, gauntleted hand, and uh, cast this this glowing blue protective field over these people. Uh, And then we we see her bust out the railgun and start just putting giant holes through Wendigo. Go ahead and roll your uh, weird science. be a 15. Alright, you emerge unharmed from this this battle. And then we bring ourselves to Haru. How do you how what is your entrance to this and, and what are you doing? I think in preparation for this fight, Haru gave him using his Chi Mastery abilities to enhance his speed and his his damage dealing output to put these things down quickly. He's been just weaving through the combat as fast as he can, slashing away, cutting them down before they can get to people, putting himself on the front of the danger, just blocking as many people as he can with his body and slashing, just cutting them down as fast as he can. All right. Uh, That's a 24. All right, you emerge unscathed from that battle. Uh, We also see striding out of the mist, gun blazing with a triumphant roar. We see Sheriff Ross uh, just fanning the hammer, gunning down Wendigo left and right. We see Rachel standing there with her guns blasting, and we see a Wendigo coming up behind her, ready to, to tear into her, and then it just gets... Uh, shredded with a relentless hail of bullets as uh, Kane is in his element fighting monsters uh, takes it down uh, and the month of uh, we just finished September so the month of October goes by with a number of similar skirmishes it's just it seems like it's endless every, every day uh, you get up and immediately you head out there fighting monsters trying to rescue people Everyone go ahead and give me vigor rolls. Everyone. Throughout this month, then, as all these Wendigos are showing up, um, are we noticing, like, the population going down? We'll get into that. Oh, okay. Now you told us to roll something? What did you say? Vigor. Vigor. Any penalties? Uh, none yet. Simple. Okay. I got a seven. Same here. Seven. All right. Uh, You're hungry. You're feeling the strain, but you're all fine for now. The month of October passes by uh, just this endless grind of battle, and November comes by. The scene we're going to pick up with is uh, you find yourselves back at Sterlingville. Mounting, uh, leading a defense as monsters come boiling out of the tree line. Uh, Curtis Jernson is there, uh, leading the the militia he started, or the deputies that he's he's set up for himself now that he's Marshal Jensen. So uh, the scene is uh, you, with with Herod's help, you've set up uh, something of a temporary palisade. All your 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 the the miners, the townspeople are lining the walls with rifles and pistols and whatever weapons they have at hand. Uh, and we see 
uh, a horde of Wendigo burst out of the tree line, rushing towards the palisade, and leading the charge is one of the biggest Wendigo you've ever seen. Um, easily uh, capable of leaping over the palisade itself, as tall as a tree, thickly muscled, menacing. Uh, it's got literal fire billowing from its fanged maw. Uh, and... Haru, how does your part in this combat go? I think I would honestly rush towards the big, the biggest one and just try to cut down at its ankles and calves and whatever I can reach to try to slow it down from coming closer to the palisade and town. Okay. Including, like, le- using wall, like a combination of wall walker and athletics uh, to leap up the trees and even get to its head and stuff like that. Okay. To just take it down i'm like i'm focusing on the big one and doing whatever it takes cutting cutting down legs and then when i cut down one leg i move over to the other leg leap up hit an arm you know get across the neck if i can run across its body if i have to mm-hmm. all right go ahead and roll them uh, that'll be a 15 15 you emerge from this combat unscathed uh daisy what's your part of this defense well we got all these things coming out of the forest haru is definitely going after the big bad i am gonna yeah be sweeping duty just taking area effect and just taking out as many wendigo as before they can get but yeah so we see like uh you're just firing railroad spikes into the sky they shatter and we see just molten hot bits of metal raining down on these things ripping wendigo apart yes That's an eight or a ten. A ten. You you too emerge from this unscathed. Uh, Herod. Herod is uh, commanding the many people who have their rifles, their pistols, their shotguns aimed at this horde of Wendigos, and he shouts at the top of his lungs, "Keep them off of Haru! Let the man do his bloody work!" And uh, he's going to boost all of their shooting rolls. All right. Um, that would be a simple. I'm gonna use teamwork to make it a make it a raise if that works. Um, Does that work? Yeah, okay. it's not gonna work. If you want to spend a Benny to get a raise, uh, no. Okay, so you're gonna take another level of fatigue <laughs> as you strain okay. yourself. Burn the midnight oil there. Yep. Uh, you you shout yourself hoarse, giving commands, uh, getting people to focus their fire at uh, at critical points in this combat. And then Rachel. So we, like, have this, um, like, the line of defense firing at these creatures. And I think as this battle's raging on, um, it's weird that people don't see Rachel there. And then kind of rising up behind is the um, airship. And Rachel is on the Gatling gun. And she's, like, noticed that, there's no way we're going to be able to hold this wall with just like these people along the um, the ramparts. We need to get like air support. So she runs over to the airship without Daisy's permission, I guess, and uh, <laughs> takes takes it off of this so she can get um, just the height advantage. And she's maybe carved a rune into the Gatling gun by this point and is unleashing. Magic bullets down upon the Wendigos. Yep, you, uh, you Gatling gunfire scythes through the Wendigo ranks, ripping them to shreds. Go ahead and roll. Uh, shooting again, or shooting? Okay. Don't make me roll us. <laughs> That's a simple success. No, it's a yeah, it's a raise. It is. Or, oh, yeah, it's you're plus just... three. Because of my disgusting shooting. Okay. You come out of this unharmed, unscathed. Um, everyone, give me another round of vigor rolls. No, no penalty. No penalty. I feel like that. after this battle, maybe Rachel and Daisy get like in a bit of a hot war. It's like I told you never again. <laughs> like take off of my airship without permission. <laughs> that was actually my other idea. Was just like, oh, I get the airship involved in this one. Okay. I failed. You failed. Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't know the rules, so I've been taking fatigue, and there's no way I can succeed, basically, so. 
so Herod is incapacitated due to exhaustion and hunger. Uh, he's been working himself to the bone, and the the famine that is plaguing the valley has done him no favors. We'll come back to that in a moment. But to your earlier question, yes, people are going missing. Uh, so now the third portion of this, uh, we go into December. Winter is at its harshest. It is cold, frigid, freezing cold. What's the scenario for this next battle? And Herod's incapacitated? Um, I think we're going to treat it like you've got three wounds. Um, okay. So you're don't you don't actually have three wounds uh but because you're incapacitated we're going to treat it as just a negative three you're in bad shape you're feeling desperate uh this is this is not looking good as far as Herod's concerned maybe we got word out of a lack of supplies and some so like a train was gonna be coming in but it got attacked on the way in and so now we're trying to fight them off of this train so we can get at least a little bit of supplies. I mean, probably not going to, but, you know, we're we're at that point. Okay, so uh, here's the scenario. Maybe it's medical supplies for Herod. Could be that. Uh, so you were, you were all worried that this train wasn't going to get through, so you all ro- rode out or flew out. Uh, yeah, we'd probably fly out. Probably fly out um, to meet up with it at the pass. And so you find yourselves in a running battle as the swarm of Wendigo charge out of the forest and try to clamber up along the sides of the train. It's not able to go that fast because it's got to plow through snow. So these Wendigo are are getting up onto the train, onto the roof, trying to rip it open so they can get at all the tasty, delicious people on the inside. And uh, where do we see Rachel? Like, you flew here in the airship, but you don't have to stay in the airship for the battle, right? We're we're getting descriptive and heroic and all that crap. Yeah, I think the airship, you know, is flying over the train, and Rachel drops a rope over the side and, like, swings down like a super badass can apparently mm-hmm. um, so she swings down on this rope and you know lands on the train car and it's that you know scene in an action movie where you know she almost slips off the side and grabs it at the last moment and, like, yeah it's kind of icy so your your foot lands and it just goes out from underneath you you almost go down but yeah. you, you grab the the side of the train car at the last second haul yourself up yeah and then you know she takes a second standing on the roof of this slow moving train because it's not going super fast it's going fast enough that if you fell off of it it would not be pleasant but it's it's not like going full tilt right okay um so yeah she's standing on the roof and she takes a moment you know just getting her bearings and then um i think she's going to head towards wherever the screaming is loudest on the train okay since she's heroic um so we'll say it's you know maybe a couple cars down mm-hmm. um towards the caboose end of the train sure so she's like running kind of backwards as the train's moving forwards mm-hmm. and you know her coat's flapping out behind her and she loses her hat i think oh no yeah it like goes flying off and she like she looks over her shoulder at it wistfully and then it's like oh fuck how'd you get a new hat and then she like keeps running down the train and she i think this is gonna like slide down the ladder at the end of the roof you know you so you get to like a, a, a freight car or something at the rear of the train. There's a hole that's been ripped in the roof. Oh, perfect. You, you just jump down yeah. through there, kind of a tuck and roll. You come up and you see a, a, a number of Wendigo have already swept through this, this car. There's a, a couple of Iron Dragon workers, uh, two of which have already been dismembered. Their blood splattered all over the place. Uh, a Wendigo is gleefully lapping at the blood, another tearing into wet flesh. Uh, a, a group of workers are trying frantically to get out the rear door as yet another Wendigo is bearing down upon them. So yeah, Rachel drops through this hole in the 
roof, does that kind of tuck and roll and comes up just shooting headshot, 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 and she just clears out this train car. All right. Perfect. Go ahead and roll your uh, whatever skill you think is appropriate for that. Probably shooting. Again, I think. Unless you want me to do athletics for all the running and leaping. No. And, no. Uh, you choose the skill you want to roll. Oh, definitely shooting. That's a raise. That's a raise. You come out of that unharmed. Where do we see Herod? Um, I think in spite of his his sickness, uh, you know, he's he's pale. His his uh, he's coughing and and he's growing just horribly thin. Um. He is doing his damnedest to uh, fight off a Wendigo who managed to make it past Rachel. And, he, and so he's kind of like chopping at it and kicking at it and just trying to keep it away from the people behind him. Okay. Um, and he fails. Oh no! Herod fights valiantly, but his wounds and his sickness are just too great. He is overcome by the creature, but fortunately at the last minute. Um... I'm thinking that, like, a Wendigo is coming down, bearing down on Herod, and coming in from the Zephyr, Haru sees this, and using every bit of his undeadness as a boon in this situation, just drops down sword first right into the Wendigo. Okay. Twenty-three. Yeah, you're you're fine. Um, and I... And after stabbing it, he like leaps back and puts himself between Wendigo and Herod, and is defending him. Mm-hmm. Daisy. All right. Well, Daisy is concentrating on getting people off this train by having whatever rope ladder that is swinging down that led Rachel onto it, and yeah, they're killing Wendigo and getting people up, and they're just climbing the ladder, and I am piloting along, keeping these people safe, and getting them up on the. Tr- you're holding it steady, steady, so people can climb safely up, which is uh, quite a challenge in of itself. So go ahead and roll piloting. Sounds like it would be appropriate. Kind of simple. Don't want that fatigue, so let's try another roll. You've got to blow up for this to happen. Though. Let's do one more try. One more try. Yeah, four. That's the best I got. All right. Yeah, you take a level of fatigue just from the strain of trying to to hold the airship steady, uh, but also match the pace of the train at the same time. Uh, Occasionally, you have to, like, move away to avoid an obstacle or to avoid Wendigo trying to leap up onto the airship itself. Uh, So the strain and the stress uh, causes you a level of fatigue. Um, So... That brings the month of December to a close. Uh, let's go ahead and have another round of vigor rolls. Herod <laughs> uh, got an eleven minus four, seven. All right, so you're you're not getting any worse. Got a ten. Okay, you're fine. Simple success. Simple success, you're fine. Uh, simple success. All right. So you're all holding it together. All this time, these the course of these three months, uh, one, Lady Rob, still, you know, whenever you're moving through Medford to go off to the next battle or to come home from the last skirmish, uh, always... Uh, you see either Lady Rob or Tantalus standing outside the winter court watching you, often with a, a big, kind of friendly smile. And also, uh, as as supplies run short, uh, whatever you manage to bring in from outside, it always uh, just it either goes bad too fast or... Uh, there's there's so many hungry mouths that it gets used up real fast. The only place that ever seems to be consistently open is Flint's. Uh, it's become quite popular. Uh, Flint's prices have not gone up, uh, and uh, those who who patronize his establishment describe the meals as uh, the portions as generous and filling. 
Oh, fuck. And we haven't had any spare time to go check this out. None at all. None at all. Darn it. Many months. <laughs> we're not tempted to go to Flint's to get food, are we? Are you? I mean, if we're starving. I can't see any world where you would be. Yeah, Rachel, <laughs> probably not. Her hatred of Flint is probably strong enough to overcome her... I would assume so. Her hunger. Yeah, Haru would be breaking down and like, oh, look, squirrel. <laughs> Deadlands and Savage Worlds are the property of Pinnacle Entertainment Group. All content is used unofficially under the Savage Media Network license. Find more of their great products at peginc.com. Sound effects are by Plate Mail Games and BattleBards. Music by the Eaglestone Collective. You can find links to all of the above in the show description. As always, thank you for joining us for this episode. Please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes or wherever else you listen, and don't hesitate to contact us via rvrpodcast at gmail.com, at rvrpodcast on Twitter, or join us on our Discord server. We'd love to hear from y'all. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.